With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is there anything more satisfying than watching Phil Rivers yell at his receivers after an interception? I don't think there is. Let's talk some football. Welcome to the Chief of North Podcast. I am your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan. Um, It is just a privilege to be talking about the Chiefs. And yes, it is a good week to be a Chiefs fan. And hey, it's just a good week in general. Merry Christmas, everyone. I don't know if I'm going to be having an episode of the Chief of the North next week with the holiday season. If you're not uh, a Christmas person, happy Hanukkah or whatever thing you happen to celebrate. Or you know what? I just hope you're having a fantastic day. How's that sound? Anyway, there's a lot to talk about and not a lot of time. Um, I want to talk about the Chiefs versus the Chargers, obviously, because it was a fun game. It was enjoyable to watch. And there were a few things in there that I'm curious what the implications are long term for this team. And by long term for this particular team, I mean the rest of the season. The playoffs are nearly upon us. The Chiefs took a stranglehold on the division. Um, that was a must-win game, arguably one of the most important games of the Andy Reid era, just because of the way this season had gone. Missing the playoffs would have been a massive disappointment. And had they lost, well, they might have been out. Um, you know, I, I talked last week about how the Chiefs responded with their backs to the wall against Oakland. And they were still in that same situation against the Chargers. They had to win that game. Had they lost, they would have been in a very tough position to close out the year with the playoffs probably out of reach. Now, well, they do they do need still to win at least one more game uh, or the Chargers and Raiders need to lose. But it's looking pretty good right at this point. And that's great news. It was good to see the team finally respond for them two weeks in a row to play well on both sides of the ball. We're going to talk about that shortly. Um I'm just impressed overall with what I'm seeing of the character of this team. Um, I did not think I would be saying that just a month ago when it seemed like there was no character left. Um, They seem to have given up, but whatever light that they found, whatever fire they found, I hope they hang on to it because it looked like a completely different team out there these last two weeks than what we saw in the preceding weeks. I've heard a lot of theories on that. I personally don't know what it is. You know, I had some people say that, they think perhaps, you know, the Steelers loss really messed with them, much like the Broncos lost at the beginning of the season a couple of years ago. And so they went into a similar funk for a while. I really have no idea. It's really tough to explain. Um, you see not just, you know, people, it's easy to say, oh, the coaches are calling better plays. But really, you're seeing a lot better execution by the players. It just, there's better tackling. There's better swarming to the ball. The team looks faster. Uh, it's just overall better execution. And it just makes you wonder what flipped that switch. Um, Was it Marcus Peters getting suspended and the team having uh, a scare put in it? Was it the team rallying around him coming back? I don't know. I do know, though, that the Chiefs are playing significantly better than they have been for a long time. (coughs) There's one of my original uh, (laughs) signature Chief in the North sneezes to start us off right away. 
But what I know is they're playing better, and I'm thrilled about it. So there's a lot to talk about. Like I said, I want to talk about the win. Um, I want to talk about some things on the offense that I saw, some things on the defense that I saw, especially things that I think could have meaning moving forward. And then after our first break, I want to talk about what I think the overall meaning of that win is and what I think we can expect from this team moving forward. Then I'm going to talk about the offensive line. I did a lot of work on them this week. There's already been an article on Arrowhead Pride. I want to talk a little bit more about some of the thoughts I have on the offensive line um, for the rest of this year and moving forward into next year. And then I'm going to attempt to take on as many mailbag questions as possible. Um, as always, you guys have provided me with a ton of great ones. We were able to get to a lot of them last week. You guys seem to enjoy that. So we're going to try to do it again this week. Choose to do as many as humanly possible. So first, the win. Like I said, this was a huge win um, from a season standpoint. They needed this. From an X's and O standpoint, um, the defense was interesting in that it was a very different defense than what I've seen for most of the season. And I don't just mean that they played better, though they did. They had a better pass rush. They absolutely did. The secondary played well. They absolutely. But, you know, we saw the pass rush do well against the Raiders. And the secondary played very well against the Raiders as well. What I mean by different is that it was different schematically. Um, They ran a lot more blitzes than we've seen previously. Um, They had a lot more exotic formations rather than just, you know, switching where Justin Houston and Chris Jones were lining up or something like that, like we saw against the Raiders. It was actually different. I mean, we're we're talking guys lined up all over the place, guys blitzing from all over the place, guys dropping from all over the place. It was a much more aggressive look from Bob Sutton. And that's an interesting development, especially this late in the season. And it makes you wonder why now? Why all of a sudden would that change? Um For most of the year, it's been a relatively vanilla look from Bob Sutton. One theory that I've heard that I think may have some credence is the idea that throughout this year, once Barry went down and with Terrence Mitchell struggling and Steven Nelson injured um, and Marcus Peters having a good year but an up and down year at times, Sutton didn't trust the secondary. Um, you know, Sorensen has struggled. Ron Parker has been pretty good overall, but he's had a few issues here and there too. And the theory is that Sutton just didn't trust the defense, the secondary, especially to get it done. And because he didn't trust the secondary to get it done, he didn't think that it really mattered what kind of pressure he sent because the secondary would fail so quickly that it just wouldn't matter. Um, you know, that's the thing you, you, with a blitz, in almost any situation, when you blitz, you are leaving, by definition, fewer players in coverage. And so you're taking a risk. And the, the theory is that because Sutton didn't trust the secondary, he was forced to keep things relatively vanilla to try to, to cover up the holes that they had back there. And so one might argue, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but I can see the secondary has been playing a lot better, particularly the corners, the last couple of weeks. And that's not just the addition of Revis, although from what I've seen the last couple of weeks, Revis could prove to be a very good addition. He looked very good out there in a more limited snap count against the Chargers. Um, he played phenomenally against the Raiders. So um, he's definitely been good. Steven Nelson's been playing pretty well, and Terrence Mitchell's been playing pretty well too. And Marcus Peters obviously came back, had a great game. And so one might say, now that we're seeing the secondary play better, Sutton has more trust in them to do their job in, in man coverage situations. And so says, all right, now we can start uh, you know, releasing the hounds and seeing what happens. Maybe that's the case. 
Oh, 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 you'll have to excuse me. I'm recording very late at night. <laughs> That's the life of the chief in the north. You know, a lot of you often ask me, you know, when do you sleep? Because I do the three different jobs and, and you know, I'm always like, you know, I'm up at two in the morning reviewing offensive line film. Well, what happens is I yawn a lot, guys. Um, so uh, anyway, so the, the scheme was more exotic. They sent a lot more blitzes. They were more aggressive from what I could see. And it was a really welcome sight. Um, in addition to that, you had guys getting pressure that hadn't been getting pressure earlier in the year. Chris Jones had his second very impactful game in the game in a row. I mean, he's looking good out there. Um, now, he's he's had flashes all season. And actually, in my opinion, it started with the Jets game. He actually started to look pretty good. Um, it just didn't show up in the stat sheet as much. But now, the last few weeks, he has really shown out to what we uh, were hoping we would see all season. And with that, with the pressure being taken off just Justin Houston to be a one-man band, you're seeing him get home more often as well as pass rush is a symbiotic thing. you got multiple guys getting to one another. So that was a fun thing to watch as well. The pressure getting home, rattling rivers, forcing him into bad throws, forcing him to throw some pop-ups, and just rattling him in general. It was so much fun to watch. There really is nothing more fun to watch than a rattled Phil Rivers, who frankly I respect as a quarterback. But, you know, he bothers me. So there you go. It's fun to watch him get rattled. Um, it was uh, it was a great game by the defense overall. They, they, they caused a lot of havoc, took the ball away a lot. On the other side of the ball, the offense, I'm not sure, had quite as good a game in that they didn't finish a few times. You know, you had a couple of drops. You had a couple of... Uh, an inaccurate throw to Kareem Hunt by Alex Smith, which I guess you could technically count as a drop, but I mean, that would have been an incredible catch by Hunt considering where the ball placement was. You had a few little rinky-tink things kind of mess with their productivity where really one would hope they would have punched the ball into the end zone about three more times. Um, that said, the Chargers have a talented, talented defense that's been getting a lot of hype recently. And this is kind of the funny thing. The Chiefs, went before they played the Raiders, the Raiders had won three of four and were starting to get kind of hot. People were talking about, oh, the Raiders are back. They're finally playing the way they're supposed to. Well, then the Chiefs beat them. Then it was kind of like, well, yeah, the Raiders, they, they've been pretty bad this year. Well, you know, the Chargers were coming in. Everyone was saying, oh, you know, they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL. They've won four in a row. That defense is awesome. Phil Rivers is good. They got a ton of playmakers, all this stuff. Well, then the Chiefs beat them. And uh, after the third quarter, put them away pretty bad. And uh, now, once again, it's like, well, the Chargers aren't that good. So, once again, we're back to that same place, right? The more things change, the more they stay the same. And so, uh, this is a good Chargers team, a good Chargers defense. And the Chiefs hung 30 on them. Now, they were aided by turnovers, certainly. But they also made some good plays of their own. Obviously, you had the one huge play to Tyreek Hill. Um, a beautiful throw by Alex Smith. Tyreek Hill just spanking Casey Hayward deep. It was It was a great play. Um, one I would like to see more often. It was actually the only throw of uh, 20 plus yards that Alex attempted all night. But even then, you know, if you just do it once, you take the top off the defense just once like that, they're going to be thinking about it the rest of the game. And, uh, the chargers, they, I'm sure they were thinking about it, but, uh, the problem is it's hard to think about getting beat over the top when you're having the ball run down your throat. <laughs> And that's what was happening to them a lot of the game. We saw for the second week in a row the quote-unquote return of Kareem Hunt. Now, I don't think Kareem Hunt was ever gone. I think that the offense was performing abysmally around him, and he wasn't put in a, a situation to succeed. But we're seeing him 
being put in that situation now. The blocking's improved. His vision looks a little better, and he's back to making guys miss on a regular basis, gaining five yards when it looks like he should gain one, and gaining 10 yards when it looks like he should gain five. It is fantastic watching him be back in form. So the offense, again, they, they, they had some missed opportunities, and that was frustrating to watch. Um, they're going to want to tighten that up, especially in the red zone. Um, now, obviously, they've got uh, buttkicker.com. Uh, what, what a fantastic signing Butker's been. Um, he's been he's been very accurate. He's He's got plenty of leg to try kicks that are plus 50 yards. Um, he's done a great job overall. So that's great. But you want to see a team, especially a team with, with guys like Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill, who I think is a guy who can be a threat in the red zone because of his ability to get separation. You want to see them do a little bit more in the red zone than what they're doing. Now, hopefully they get that tightened up. But at the same time, it was a good offensive performance against a very good uh, Chargers defense. Um, you know, a shout out has to go to the line, and we're going to talk about the line very, very in depth shortly. Um, Alex Smith played pretty well. I haven't reviewed his film in its entirety yet, although I did watch every snap of the offensive line, so I got a chance to kind of watch Alex during those. Um, he doesn't look like he did anything particularly great. But he played a pretty mistake-free game. He had one elite throw that took the top off the defense. He made a couple of other nice plays. It was a very Alex Smith game. If you were saying if it was a good Alex Smith game, in the way you would have said that in 2016, um, before we realized what kind of good games Alex was capable of having, right? Because this year we've seen unbelievably good games from Alex Smith, like like Aaron Rodgers' level of good. And no, I didn't misspeak there. I'm not saying Alex is as good as Aaron Rodgers. I'm saying he's had a few games this year where he was an elite, absolutely elite quarterback. And so now when we say good Alex Smith game, that takes on a whole new meaning. What he did against the Chargers was what we would have previously called a good Alex Smith game. Managed the game very well, didn't make any mistakes, um, threw the ball generally pretty accurately, and made a couple of really nice plays and throws to help the offense keep humming. Um, he did He did pretty well. It's good to see him back on track for the second week in a row. Um, I don't think he's playing at the level he was to start off the season, but at the same time, he's playing well. He actually played better this time around against the Chargers than he did the first time they played. So progress. We'll see what happens against Miami with regards to Alex, because again, you know, the Chiefs playoff hopes, not necessarily where they make the playoffs, but how they do there are going to in large part rise and fall on their quarterback, much like every other team. Um, as he goes quite often, so go the Chiefs. And so it'll be worth keeping an eye on him as they move forward here to see if he continues to build on the strong play that he's had the last three weeks because he played well against the Jets too. It's kind of interesting to me. I, I, I'm half curious what the narrative on Alex Smith would be had the Chiefs won that Jets game and what the narrative would be on the Chiefs too because now it would be three wins in a row. And, uh, you know, in, in, in one of those wins, Alex would have obviously thrown, you know, four touchdowns and no picks and had played extremely well. Um, and then these other games he's played well. At, and it, I, I'm curious what the narrative around him would be. But because they lost that game, the narrative doesn't change. Um, it's, it's exciting to see him, though. I really thought he was done. And I didn't really make any bones about that. I was saying that they should put in Patrick Mahomes. Um, which, you know, I don't regret saying I, uh, the way Alex was playing, he wasn't giving any indication that he would turn it around. Good for him that he has. It's been a cool thing to watch. Um, on a quick final note 
before we uh, we go into our break, you know, with the regards to the Patrick Mahomes question, now that Alex is turning around again, do I think that changes anything for next year? No, I really don't. Even if they go on to win the Super Bowl, I really don't. I, I don't think that changes anything with regards to Smith and Mahomes. Um, and speaking of that, I want to talk about that in a bit of a different capacity, this time talking about week 17 and what that might look like. And I want to talk about that in conjunction with what this win meant for the Chiefs in general and our expectations for this year. But first, we're going to take a quick break so that way we can listen to ads and the Minnesota Chiefs family can eat. So we'll be right be- right after this. We'll be right right after this. Well, you will be right because you're listening to this podcast, but we'll be back right after this. All right. I want to talk about the Chiefs and expectations. Things have changed a little bit. Um, this season, things have fluctuated wildly. Um, you know, they started off with the expectations of being a decent team, would compete for a playoff spot, maybe compete for a Super Bowl, but it seemed kind of distant considering how the season ended last year. Well, then they went on a tear. Started off, I mean, Alex Smith was playing out of his mind. It was ridiculous. So then it became Super Bowl hopes. Then they lost to the Steelers, and then the wheels started to come off, and then it became, they're not even going to make the playoffs. Oh, my goodness. This is a bigger systemic issue. What are we going to do? This is the beginning of the end of the Andy Reid era. Everything's terrible. Now they've won a couple games in a row, and now it's back to, like, I don't know what to expect anymore. Um, It's been quite the uh, roller coaster. Um from an overall perspective, this win against the Chargers, that was a team that was playing very hot, has a very good defense, and a very talented offense. And the Chiefs took it to them pretty well. They did a decent job against the run. Melvin Gordon always gives them trouble. It's interesting. He gives them more trouble than a lot more talented running backs do. And I like Gordon all right. He's, he's not a terrible running back, but I don't think he's that great. But he consistently gives the Chiefs problems. Um, and so what does it mean overall? I guess to me, obviously, again, it means that they're, they're quite likely to make the playoffs. Um, and anytime you can make the playoffs, obviously that's a good thing. You know, there are a lot of Chiefs fans that are kind of cynical about the playoffs at this point because they've seen so many one and dones. I guess my response to that is you, uh, uh, uh my response is to yawn. That opinion bores me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, for me, it's a matter of you always have a puncher's shot in the NFL if you just make it to the playoffs. We've now seen that Alex can go on a crazy hot streak. So what if what if that happens during that three or four game stretch? There's always a chance if you just make the playoffs. Then so that's obviously a good thing for this year. Another thing is with the how well they've been playing recently on defense with the offense picking it back up too, you're starting to see shades of that they really can beat anyone that they had going on early in the year. Even the first few games that they lost, the feeling among Chiefs fans was still, no, they can hang with anyone. We've seen it. We saw them hang with the Eagles with Wentz. We saw them hang with the Texans and with, with Deshaun Watson. We saw them hang with the, with the Patriots. We saw them hang with the Redskins when the Redskins were playing some of their best ball of the season. We've seen this team play well and beat very, very, very good teams and good teams. Of course, we've also seen them lose to pathetically terrible teams as well as a good team in the Steelers, which, you know, that's a monkey that they're going to have to get off their back come playoff time. So who knows what to expect? But one thing that I has kind of returned to me is that sense of optimism that there's at least a chance because really after that Giants game, after that Bills game, I was more feeling like, you know, man, I think this is it. I, I don't think there's a chance. I don't think they've got a prayer. Now that chance 
to me, that feeling has returned. And you know what? That's a good feeling because I wasn't ready to be done with 2017 just yet. This season has flown by. And you know, a lot of national pundits have a lot of stuff to say about the 2017 season. I've enjoyed the daylights out of it. I mean, you know, there was a cut, there was a month long stretch there that was horrible, but I mean, this has been a really interesting season with a lot of really fun developments. Um, you know, the development of a new superstar in Kareem Hunt. I just getting to see the offense operate at its absolute peak, the Mahomes madness, even like little things like the Darrell Revis signing that just is like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. It's been a fun season already, and I wasn't ready for it to end. So, Overall, what that win really meant to me, because the Raiders win was nice, and that put them in a position to get to the Chargers game, but that was the game they needed. And so to me, it means there's still hope for this year, and not just a uh, a, a faint hope, but actual puncher's chance. Well, you know, I'm misusing the phrase a bit because puncher's chance doesn't mean there's a ton of hope, but they actually have a shot at doing something, making some noise and legitimately maybe making a playoff run. Now we'll see what happens again. They got a couple games left. It's tough to maintain hope in a team that we just saw fall apart so thoroughly for a month there. They were just so bad across the board so it's hard not to just wait for that other shoe to fall off and have that happen again but as of right now we are seeing this team getting back to play as good as they played earlier in the season perhaps with the defense playing better well not with perhaps the defense is playing better the offense needs to finish a little bit more but we are definitely seeing signs of life and balance to where instead of just being a team where the offense is carrying the defense like happened earlier this year, we might be able to see a team that can be balanced and be dangerous on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. And if you can be balanced like that, you've got a good chance against anyone because there are a lot of teams in the NFL right now that are heavy on one side or the other. And if there were ever a year to take advantage of the chaos in football, this is it. Antonio Brown went down. Shazir went down for the Steelers. They're vulnerable. The Patriots, as good as they've been this year, they've shown signs of vulnerability all season long. This is the year. Certain teams that were supposed to take a step forward didn't, like the Titans, for example. Um, A team that was supposed to be very good, like Oakland or Denver, they weren't. Um, You've got the Jacksonville Jaguars emerging, but uh, you know who their quarterback is. So this is an opportunity for the Chiefs to take advantage and to really try to do something here. I can't wait to see what happens. On that note, there's the Patrick Mahomes question for Week 17. Let's say the Chiefs win against Miami. That means with nine wins, they're guaranteed to win the division because no matter what the Chargers do, the Chiefs have the tiebreaker over them. They also have the tiebreaker over the Raiders. And so it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. So they go into week 17 with it not mattering. In the past, Andy Reid has quite often sat his starters in that situation. Now, in the past, it was Chase Daniel in to who would take over. Well, now the backup is Patrick Mahomes. Um, I personally would love to see him get a chance to play. I know there are some fans that are worried about, you know, playing him against that Denver pass rush, maybe without all the starters on offense, you know, what would that look like? I would love 
to see it. I would love to see him get a shot. I think it would be so good for him in his long-term development to get some real snaps this year. Let him see what the game is really about. Um, I would just love it. I actually was talking to the Locked On guys tonight. I said, best case scenario, you see Patrick, for the Chiefs fans this year, I see Patrick Mahomes just light it up in week 17. Then the Chiefs go and win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith. That would be amazing. Now, do I know what he would look like? No idea. And then a tough scenario, like what if he, what if he looked bad? well then you know you'd have a ton of Chiefs fans that would probably start calling to retain Smith and it would be a chaotic offseason but I'm kind of a chaos theory guy anyway so that would be really fun to watch and I hope it happens so that's one reason among many I'm cheering for the Chiefs on this upcoming Sunday because I would love to get a chance to see Mahomes in regular season action as just kind of a cherry on top of what's already been a fun year and something to kind of keep us going just as we wait for playoff season to arrive all right So the main thing that I wanted to talk about today that I've already yammered on for 23 minutes without getting into is offensive line play. Uh, If you go to Arrowhead Pride, you'll find I wrote an article breaking down the play of all five of the Chiefs starting offensive linemen. I reviewed every snap on all 22 um, using the Madden cam view for the most part because that's a great view for offensive linemen charting wins losses, both as pass blockers and run blockers, neutral plays, right? Um, Now, what's a win? Well, I've described this on this on this podcast before but i mean it is what it sounds like it's where an offensive lineman wins his assignment he effectively controls his rusher he he effectively walls off or plows over a defender on his own generally speaking i don't award wins for double teams because that's something that every player should do a double team two on one you should be winning that now if a double team really dominates and then one of them goes on and peels off and gets another guy then i'll call that a win but it's mostly one-on-one situations a loss is the opposite right a pass rusher gets around you you don't fulfill your function in a run block it it, it, those things are pretty easy neutral plays they're by far the most common for a lot of players um usually up to 50 percent if not more of the plays are neutral or it's not a definitive win or it's not a definitive loss whether that's because of assignment or they battle a guy to a draw which neutral plays are often much more favorable for an offensive player than a defensive player because it means you've at least kept him from beating you and messing with the play so the most important thing for an offensive lineman is to not lose right because if you lose you almost guarantee the play will get messed up with if you win it doesn't guarantee anything that's why i always say you know offensive linemen can hurt you a lot more than they can help a great offensive line as a unit can win games but you know all it takes is one weak link one weak link in the armor and you got real problems so just to, I just wanted to offer a few thoughts um, after doing all that work. And again, you can go check out arrowheadpride.com. It's on there. Um, a big thing that I took away, uh, Eric Fisher had a decent game, which was nice to see because he struggled this year by my eyes. It's been kind of a rough season for him. It appears that he's regressed a little bit in pass pro and even a bit of as a, of a, as a run blocker, which was always a major strength of his. Um, uh, Brian Witzman had probably his best game as a chief. He really impressed me with uh, his ability to get into space, kind of like an LDT light. Now, he doesn't have LDT strength, but he's got he's got just enough, and he gets into space very well. He covers distance very rapidly. He can navigate through the muck. Um, LDT 
had a great game. He looks back to playing at an elite level, and that is fun to watch. Yes, I skipped Fulton on purpose. I'll get to him in a second. Mitch Schwartz is a guy worth talking about. He played so well against Bosa and Engram. Generally speaking, he was on an island, and he shut them down. I only charted him having one loss. There was another play that was close to a loss, but they battled it out just long enough before you know there was any possible pressure on Alex that I, I, I graded it as a neutral play. Could have gone either way. But when you're playing against two of the best pass rushers in the NFL, or at least one of the best pass rushing duos, and that's all that happens, you've done a very good job. So I was really impressed with what he did. Um, he, you know, by the, as I record this, he's been a, a Pro Bowl snub, which is just gross. But whatever. People don't know what they're talking about when it comes to offensive line half the time anyway, and let alone with Pro Bowl voting. So I feel for the guy because I think he's the best right tackle in the AFC. And the fact that he didn't get in is a travesty. He did a really good job run blocking as well. They asked him to, uh, to pull and block in space more than you often see from a right tackle. And he quitted himself. Very well, um, which brings us to it in a, in a roundabout way to Zach Fulton. Fulton had a really, really good game. And by that, I don't mean for a backup. I mean, he had a really genuinely great game. Probably the best game I've ever graded from him. Um, he barely lost as a run blocker or pass blocker. He had plenty of wins as a run blocker. He did a pretty good job helping. What was encouraging for me, weaknesses in Fulton's game in the past has been awareness, the ability to look for work when he doesn't have a defender to cover. Uh, And then at times he doesn't do a great job on stunts as well as delayed blitzes. He did a really good job against all of those things. I was really encouraging to see because that's something that can give you hope that maybe it's a permanent change and not just one really good game. As always, he's very strong at the point of attack. Um, He's not very nimble of foot. Uh, and in the past, that's kind of hurt him in Andy Reid's system because of what Andy likes to have his center do, be able to pull in space and run 10 yards somewhere to, to pick up a block at the second level or even on the edge. Well, so it was kind of interesting, something different that they did, that whether this was Andy Reid or Matt Nagy, I have no idea, but something different that they did, in they, they ran a lot of outside zone schemes, which is worth noting. I asked, uh, I asked Jeff Schwartz what he thinks of you know, how the Chiefs are doing so different as a run-blocking team because they were a disaster a few weeks ago. And he said they cut out the cutesy stuff and they just went back to what works, very simple outside zone stuff, which they're good at, which Kareem Hunt's good at running. And so now they it seems like they're valuing execution over fooling the defense. And it's working. It's working very well, and that's awesome to see. Kareem Hunt's vision looks a little better, in my opinion, but mostly the line's just been blocking actually blocking as opposed to that, you know, month long stretch where anytime cream hunt got the ball, he'd get instantly hit by three guys and took a miracle by him just to get back to the line of scrimmage. Um, so what they're asking Fulton to do though, as they run, they've really simplified the blocking scheme. They're not asking anyone to perform any really, uh, <laughs> uh, fancy combo blocks or do anything really crazy. It's just a real simple outside zone scheme. But one thing I've noticed is they're not asking Fulton to pull around the edge. They're not asking him to move very far in space. They're asking him to be the guy who doesn't pull in space, but instead blocks the guy right in front of him, or at least very near him. If he does get into space, it's going in a straight line right in front of him. 
him. And so they're not asking him to necessarily pull in a traditional sense or execute really difficult reach blocks. Mitch Morse, they'll often ask him to execute reach blocks on defenders that are two or three yards down the line. Whereas with Fulton, they're not asking him to do that. And that's good because he doesn't have the lateral quickness. And so what they've really done, as far as I can tell, is they've uh, they've really uh, highlighted what he's good at and what he he's competent with and they are minimalizing his weaknesses and what they're doing is instead they're having the guards ldt and witzman and even the tackles fisher and, and schwartz do the pulling in space rather than the center so it actually looks kind of untraditional some of the time for at least from what andy Reid has had them do and i think that's a really good adjustment to having fulton out there a lot of people want to know about Fulton, about whether or not he should be a center, what we should do with him next year. I would say this. I would let it play out and see how well he plays for the rest of the season because he's playing the best ball of his career so far. In the past, I've always kind of ugh, the idea of switching Mitch Morse to guard because Mitch Morse is a fantastic center. Well, here's what I would say. If Fulton can play this well at center to where he's no longer just 75% of the player that Morse is at center, but he's more like 95% of the player, well, then maybe it's time you at least think about it a little bit. Now, switching from one position to another is no joke. Mitch Morse, though, was versatile enough in college that I don't think it would be a problem for him. I think he would be a very good guard. Um, the reason I always kind of poo-pooed it in the past, yep, there's your there's your weekly Minnesota nice version of swearing, poo-pooed something in the past, was because... Morse was so much better. Well, with Fulton playing at this level, it at least becomes a conversation you might want to think about having, especially when you're trying to think of getting the best five guys on the field. That said, Witzman's level of play, at least against the Chargers, makes you wonder if that'll be necessary. Now, again, it's important to keep in mind that this is all a very small sample size. But Fulton playing the way he is right now makes it tough to just let him walk in free agency, especially if he can be had cheaper than what you might normally get for a very solid starting center. So if he continues to play at this high a level for the rest of the season, I think it's time to have a real serious conversation about what you can do to keep him around. Um, I don't particularly love him as depth at guard. He can play not completely horrible there but he's not good now here to be to be honest not good as a backup guard is 10 times better than what most of the league has to offer because offensive lineman depth is just horrible around the league right now so i think there's going to be a competition for fulton services but it might be worth really thinking about what it would take to keep him especially if he keeps playing at this level at center and you can ask yourself well in mitch morse's final year of his con of his rookie deal do we do we shift him over to to guard and see how he does there since fulton is able to give us you know, good play at center, but not at guard. I don't know the answer, but I do know Fulton's playing well enough to at least make me think about that. And that's kudos for him. All right. It's going to be time to hit our mailbag questions. Um, you guys have given me a ton of them. There are a ton of good ones. So we're going to hit as many as we can right after this. All right. It's mailbag time. Now I'm going to have to take my usual big swig of water. I hope you could hear that. And let's get into some mailbag. Um, starting off with a DP, he asked me, uh, uh, how many times did San Diego go single high safety prior to the touchdown pass to Hill? Didn't seem to do it again afterward. You know, I went back and I, I, I rewatched prior to 
the deep ball to Hill, and there there was quite a few single high. Um, as far as afterwards, it was less frequent, but I did still see it. Um, I, I I saw it mentioned in in an Alex Smith interview. He said that they really respected Tyreek all day. I guess I would say I saw a ton of single high prior to that deep ball. Now I haven't charted how often it occurred afterward. I think it was less frequent, but it was like at least it was, it seemed like almost every play for a stretch there prior to that deep ball to Hill. So I actually saw it multiple times and I'm curious why they didn't go there a bit sooner. Um, one thing Alex Smith said when he was interviewed that I thought was pretty, you know, interesting was, you know, it was third and one. And so they had to play their defense a certain way. So one thing to keep in mind, just because they're showing a single high safety doesn't mean they're not rotating guys back there. But I will say that even even that wasn't occurring from what I could see on all 22. I, there was just plenty of straight up single high, not even rolled to Hill side of the field all the time. And so I guess I'm really curious about the, the Chargers defensive strategy against the Chiefs. Um, they played plenty of man coverage. I think they've got a lot of confidence in their corners, but I'm just curious why they did not try to incorporate some of the things that stymied the Chiefs earlier in the season. Uh, sports tweeter 69 says has Terrence Mitchell proved he can be a starter I don't know he's played very well the last few weeks and when he's been asked to do press man coverage he's done very well but it's tough to forget the struggles that he had early on in the season I'm not sure if he is a full-fledged full-time starter on any team I do think he's got talent I think he's played well enough to warrant playing time for sure but I'm not sure he's the guy you want being your number two corner and given the Chiefs desire to sign Revis and the level of play that he's shown since then. I think that that's a pretty, it's a pretty safe bet to say the chiefs agree. Um, I don't really, uh, Again, I think he's played very well, and that's kudos to him. And I do think that the Chiefs are back to looking like they've got really solid depth in the secondary if everyone keeps playing at the level they're playing at. But I don't know if he's necessarily a a guy I would want starting. At the beginning of the year, I really did. But um, as as the year has gone by, it seems like teams have picked out a few of his weaknesses. Um, The fact that he's too grabby really hurts him at times. And teams have picked on him a little more to where he doesn't look as good as he looked last year, which is often what happens when you've got a player that plays, you know, a quarter of a season or half of a season, the more film teams get on a guy, the the harder it's going to be. And so I think Mitchell might be a guy who's more better off in like a third or fourth corner role, but is a very good third or fourth corner. Marcus Robinson asked Mahomes or Bray versus Broncos Mahomes. Easy. No question. Um, Mark Morin asks from your all 22 analysis, are our wide receivers getting adequate separation on a consistent basis? No targets to Robinson versus San Diego is concerning. Um, I can say that is a bit concerning. I don't like the fact that Robinson isn't more of a part of the offense. However, um, given some of the confusion that we've seen when he's been targeted, I'm still not 100% sure he's 100% up to date on the offense. There, there, it just seems like there are more confusion issues with him than other players. Um, I would also just say that you know the offense lately – has been a little bit less spread it around to everyone and a little more oriented on the stars, on Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Kareem Hunt. And personally, 
I like it that way. It's always driven me crazy, and I've talked about this in the past, that there's this equal opportunity offense where everyone gets the ball. That's great in theory, but in practice, you're taking touches away from you know your biggest guns. Um, I do think the return of Albert Wilson has affected Robinson's role. Wilson has, surprisingly enough, really kind of earned his niche as a, as a competent role player this year, and that's going to cut into a guy like Robinson's targets. So it's great for the Chiefs, rough for Robinson. Um, Ryan Miller says almost year two in the book for Tyreek Hill. Let's reflect on, reflect on his, let's reflect on his production so far, his updated player comp and ceiling, please. Um, Tyreek Hill's ceiling, in my opinion, is one of the best five wide receivers in the NFL and the absolute best deep threat in the NFL. I think he might already be the best deep threat in the NFL. Um, maybe T Y Hilton comes to mind there and obviously Deshaun Jackson, but I mean, Tyreek Hill gets college separation on guys. He does it routinely. Um, he, he still occasionally rounds out his routes in ways that he shouldn't, but his route running has come a long ways. He is a guy who's more dangerous with the ball in his hands than almost any other receiver in the league. He's got good hands. He attracts the ball. Well, he adjusts to it. Well, he does everything you want a number one wide receiver to do. And it shows he's something like, uh, yeah, I know he's I know he's easily top ten in the league in yards, but he's like twenty seventh or something in targets. Um, he's an incredibly efficient player to throw the ball to, and I I think his his ceiling is one of the top wide receivers in the league. As far as an updated player comp, um, I would say a a a rich man's T.Y. Hilton, and that's pretty high praise in my opinion. Or maybe even a, a quicker tougher Deshaun Jackson. So I hope they continue to get him the ball. I hope the offense continues to revolve around him a bit more. Neil Davidson asks, have teams gone away from playing zone defense against Chiefs in recent weeks or Smith started performing better against it? Uh, also, what's a guy got the duty to get credit for his Sutton equals Smith take? Uh, Neil Davidson was a guy who, who said first to me the, the idea of comparing Bob Sutton to Alex Smith, a guy that needs good talent around him to succeed. Um, given the way the defense has played the last few weeks, I don't know because um, Sutton has changed things up and it looks like it's working well. But you know what? He deserves credit for that. That was his thought, not mine, and I stole it like a dang dirty thief. That's my bad deal. With regards to zone, I am still seeing it. I did not see it as much against the Chargers. I saw plenty of it against the Raiders. Um, what I'm seeing more is the Chiefs are executing better. They are executing better. The routes were always there. Um but they are, and not just Alex, but everyone overall is executing better. The line is blocking better, so the run game is working better. And that's the other thing. You know, you've actually heard this. Uh, I, I think it was Mitch Schwartz who said it when they're talking about, you know, what do you do to be cover two? He says, we got to be able to run the ball. If they're going to play two deep safeties, you've got to make them pay for that by running the ball well. Because if you think about it, when you've got two deep safeties and then three corners on the field, you know, say if they're running, you know, three wide receiver set, uh, that means that by definition, you can only have six guys, six linebacker and defensive line types up front, which means you ought to be able to run on that. And the Chiefs were not able to, but now they're starting to. So I think that's been a bigger difference more so than Alex playing a lot better. He is playing a lot better. Uh, let me say, let me rephrase that. He's playing a lot better than he was. I don't think he's playing great, but I think the offense overall is winning, forcing teams to guess more, and they haven't been as predictable. Um, Tyler Grant, this is a non-football question, but one that I really like. He asked me, best part about being a father of five. Just had my first and it's exhausting, but easily the greatest thing to ever happen to me. Tyler, that doesn't change. Um, uh-huh. 
how 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 to describe being a father of five what the best thing is about it um i'm gonna cheat the, the best thing is is all of them um the it's it's amazing how unique every every kid can be um and i could talk about my kids for a bit and wax eloquent about them because i love them but that'd be boring for you guys but the best thing about it is just how different they all are and how amazing it is that kids raised in the same home in the same environment can be so wonderfully different. And each one of them uh, shows you something about yourself that you didn't know. And with each new thing that you learn about them and each new thing that they do, you, you learn more about your capacity to love. And that's a cheesy answer, but it's so true. You know, it's just funny. You know, the more kids you have, you really don't, you know, need to spread the love out. You just, you're able to love more. I love each of my kids more with five of them than I would love one of them alone. It's crazy. Not saying you don't love your, your kid enough, Tyler, because I've seen your profile pic. It looks like you got your baby there. That's an adorable kiddo. But I'm telling you, it is the greatest. I just would tell people if it's you know financially feasible for you and you're able to be responsible on it, have as many kids as possible, man. Have a ton of kids and raise them right because it is just the good life. I'm living the dream, man. I got my daughter, Isabel, sitting here sleeping 10 feet away from me as I record record this and it is the good life back to football Matt Viola asks what position group are you most concerned with going into the playoffs um I think I'm still most concerned with the with the pass rushers I'm worried that they might turn back into a pumpkin or the secondary safety yo you know what easily safety um, Sorensen is still playing poorly. He's really struggling. Um, Murray is just getting back into the swing of things and maybe he'll be okay but he struggled for a while um, you know, Ron Parker is still playing well in coverage as far as I can tell, but he's had some tackling issues. The safety group in general, it was supposed to be a huge strength of the team coming into this year. And instead, it's been kind of a liability without Eric Berry and with Sorensen getting exposed in an increased role. I'm very concerned about the safety group. Hopefully, the, the corners playing as much better as they are will start to compensate for that. And I think they have. Stacy Strickland asks, if you could add one in their prime, non-Hall of Fame, former Chiefs player to the current roster, who would it be? I pick Brian Waters. Now, unfortunately for me, I don't know exactly who is in the Hall of Fame and who isn't. So that makes it kind of difficult for me at this point. Um, you know, it's just, it's genuinely a tough thing and in their prime type thing. And when I think about this particular roster, who would be a great addition to this particular roster? And right now you can tell I'm just vamping as I try to rack my brain. I'm trying to think of a non-Hall of Fame safety that we could add. You know who was great in the one year he was great? Now, I mean, not great like Hall of Fame great, but again, non-Hall of Fame. Man, Jared Page was a stud for one year. I really had high hopes for him, but you know, that was a lot. That was a while before I really learned to analyze the game very well. So maybe I overestimate his performance. It's tough to pick anyone, but Brian waters because a stud guard with the way the rest of the line is playing right now. And all due respect to Witzman, but he's obviously knowing his prime Brian waters. Um, I, I'd have to stick with Waters. I mean, you nailed it when you, when you throw in that non hall of fame caveat, that really does, uh, that really does wonders. Um, for the record, if I had to pick any chief in their prime, not include Derek Thomas, who would be such an obvious fit with the need right now, any chief whatsoever. Um, so non-quarterback, 
non-Derek Thomas. Oh, man, man, that was tougher than I thought it would be. There's so many great players. I think I would probably go with Tony Gonzalez, given the given the makeup of this particular team at this particular time. I think they could put up 40 a game with Tony on the field. Um, all right, we've got a uh, Stacy Meyer. Hey, Stacy's back to back. Although you guys spell it differently, and I and looking at your profile pictures, I well. If those being who you are, you're not the same gender either. Um, Stacy Meyer asked, this may be dumb. No, there are no qu- dumb questions, Stacy. Well, actually, that's not true. I ask dumb questions all the time, but yours isn't dumb. This may be dumb, but is Eric Berry allowed to travel with the team to away games? Yes, he is. Seems like he's been away on the sideline at home games, but I haven't noticed him in away games. Seems to help have him around. I agree, Stacy, and yes, he can. Um, I actually just found that out myself today. Um, Marcus Robinson asks, has a QB ever led the league in passer rating then got traded in the offseason? I don't think so. I mean, it's genuinely bizarre. Um, you know, just what's going to go down and make no mistake. That's how it's going to go down. Um, it's, it's just never happened. I hope Alex Smith goes to Jacksonville because it gives him the best chance at winning a lot of games. And then I hope they lose to the chiefs every year in the playoffs. Um, I think he's a good dude. I, I really do hope he leads the chiefs to a super bowl because I think he's a good dude that solidified the position and has played his guts out for years. And it would be so cool to see him be a ring of honor guy after years of being, almost vilified in Kansas city. And yes, if you want a super bowl as the chiefs quarterback, he'd be a ring of honor guy. Um, Seth. Hey, I've answered your question before Seth, or maybe it was a different Seth. And I just remember the name because it's awesome. How much of the last bum drive of the first half falls on Andy or Matt Nagy? It felt like an Andy Reid conservative approach, man, that drive was awful. I mean, not at first, but like the last four or five plays were just horrible. I have a hard time believing that Andy Reid completely took over situational play calling, but I assume like any other time he had a say in it. But yeah, that was gross. I wish I knew who to blame, but holy crap, they never, ever, ever should go back to that. I can only do a few more here. Uh, Nicholas Barnes says, do you think the Chiefs can beat the Pats and Foxborough twice in one season? Yes, I do. I think the Chiefs are a bad matchup for the Patriots compared to some other teams. Um, Andy Reid is one of the few coaches that occasionally will have Belichick's number, and that's important. Uh, it's very important. And they've got the skill position players to give them trouble. Tom Brady doesn't necessarily seem to be able to exert himself against Bob Sutton's defense. And so I, uh, I, I think they definitely could. I think it would be incredibly tough though um i'm gonna try i'm trying to look for one more thing oh man you guys have asked so many great questions um <laughs> and then alex in a pear tree says why should we believe in this team i'm too jaded to truly bury the after the midseason struggles you know you can choose to believe in the team because they've shown they can be very, very good teams. And that's all you need to do in the playoffs. They've got playmakers. They can make turnovers. Those two things, big plays and turnovers win games. That's why you can believe in them. And so I am going to call it a day on that. You really can believe in this team. Now, does that mean they're not going to let you down? I have no idea. I wish I had a crystal ball. I'd be a happier guy. Maybe. I don't even know if I'd use the thing, but I'd tell you, Um, they, they do have a shot against anyone because they've got great playmakers. They've got a great head coach and they've got a group that is resilient enough to bounce back, whether in individual games, like we saw against the Redskins or in a season, like we saw back in 2014 or like what we're seeing 
now. And so I do believe in this team again. Um, maybe I'll get my heart broken again. But the day that I can't be just a little naive when it comes to football, <laughs> that's the day that maybe I stop doing this because it's just not fun anymore. All right. That's what I've got for you. This has been the Chief in the North, the land of 10,000 takes. I appreciate you guys listening, as always. Um, it's just such a privilege to be able to talk Chiefs with each and every one of you. I appreciate your interaction on Twitter. Uh, I appreciate that you've helped keep this going. Episode 25, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed doing this this season. I'm hoping to keep it going um, throughout the off season, I think I will. Um, please remember to to subscribe and review and rate and do all those other things, uh, whether it's iTunes or wherever else, because it does make a difference, guys, and it really helps me out um, to where I can continue to provide this because my time ain't free, unfortunately, and you guys have just been so great and so supportive. I appreciate you guys, and I look forward to talking to you again. Maybe not next week with the Christmas season, but you guys know me pretty well, and I doubt I'll be able to stay away from that long. Thanks for listening to The Chief in the North. You guys take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash BoostByTaxDay to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.